your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to ATP. James here joined, as always, by Ryan following Everton's second game of the season. It was a 2-2 draw at Elland Road against Leeds United. And uh, I guess the lead here, Ryan, is that the Blues have not lost either of their starting two games for 10 straight years since 2011-2012. So, I mean, that's exciting. And that comes to us from Royal Blue Mersey. Before we get into our instant match reactions, just wanted to remind everyone to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And if you could leave us a five-star rating and a review, that would help us out a lot. And we would very much appreciate it. And uh, without further ado, Ryan, instant reaction to the draw at Leeds. Well, it's a tough spot. Um, hostile crowd. Haven't been there in a long time. I love Dominic Calvert-Lewin putting up the picture of the gal flicking him off from the, from the stands. That was pretty funny. Uh <laughs> I think it draws a fair result. Um, you could tell we're still getting used to a little bit of Rafa ball um, at times, but there were some good moments. And and I thought his synopsis that we got the better of the chances is probably true. Um, they had maybe a little more volume or it, se- it seemed like it, but you kind of knew the game was going to play out a little bit the way it did. And uh, we could have stolen one for sure, but um, I'll take the draw, you know, all things considered. What about you? Well, I thought it was a good start to the away away matches of the season. It was certainly very different dynamic going into a hostile Elland Road after Leeds have gone so long without having fans in the stadium in the Premier League. And so they were well up for it, goes without saying. But I thought we responded maybe a little shaky in, in the beginning with the atmosphere, but settled in and obviously, I guess, a little disappointing to lose the lead twice after going ahead. But as you said, I think a fair result. And I think the manager had a very pragmatic view of it as well. Yeah, I think what's amazing is that we had eight people on the Discord, correct? And that, that's a new record? Yeah, a new record. I think the previous record was like five. So we had a K Bowie predict a 2-2. And he also predicted a, another center Everton center back error. Uh, so if you didn't watch the match, there's a little sneak preview of what was on display today. But yeah, uh, and he predicted a Bamford screamer. It turned out to be Rafinha, of course, who put in the screaming, screaming curler, even like a hybrid type situation. We also had HYE soccer guy, Wes S Stupka, Bruce, myself, back to back, not really? to brag. Didn't yeah, well, did get it, get it last no, week too. Well, I think you gave him credit for the. Oh, never mind. I gave him credit for the cocktails. Sorry, <laughs> yes. buddy. And we also had uh, too many Pumas and Cam Lizza get the score prediction correct. So new record. If you're not in our Discord already, the link is invite.gg slash ATP. Get in there. Join the community. It's a great one. And again, would appreciate and love to have you. Yeah, it was fun uh, participating today. You know, it's definitely fairly active in there. Lots of lots of hearty discussions. Um so let's start into the tactics. Everton lineup. Um, I, I wouldn't say there are too many surprises there. Really, the only changes was a Wobi starting, and I think he probably deserved his spot. Um, and Holgate goes out. Mina comes in. Thought that may uh, eliminate some of the mistakes in the back. Unfortunately, it did not. Um, but we looked, I mean, similar in terms of setup as we did before. Uh, you saw kind of gray on the left side and more of a free roll. 
Richarlison playing down the middle like he did in the second half, but will be off to the right, which we hate. But I think in this particular instance, you know, he was back there playing and showed good chemistry with Seamus playing defensively, uh, defending in a four, four, two for sure. Um, attacking debatably a four, two, three, one or a four, four, one, one, maybe I, it's hard to say, you know, um, Richarlison coming back for the ball a little bit in that 10 roll. I don't think that worked out very well, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, but look, and Leeds set up, maybe not in their typical 4-1-4-1, which they had been playing with Phillips a lot. But again, no surprise, higher pressure for them, counter-pressing like crazy. Um, and kind of what you would expect. Maybe that's why everyone got the 2-2 score right. But look, you look yeah. at their lineup. I mean, Harrison and Rafinha are, Rafinha are clearly the danger players philip phillips is back so he's kind of the qb back there and cooper is really their only guy that's great in the air so you figured he was going to be all over dcl the whole match and certainly was and they're not that great at defending corners i was hoping to see that and i thought it was going to be interesting to see furpo kind of coming in as their new left back and see how he did did but look dallas and philip are, are tight and tough down the middle you know and and they were all over us the second we lost the ball and as a result, I mean, they dominated possession for sure. Yeah. I mean, Calvin Phillips being back after Leeds were thrashed in the opening weekend by United, Manchester United, um, obviously made a huge difference. And that's, aside from Furpo, that's basically a, a very similar team to what Leeds played with all of last season. Now Everton are still adjusting to some new players as well as a new manager. And so you might have expected some um, disparities there. But I thought that for the opening few minutes it was certainly all leads backed by the crowd and they we yeah. struggled to deal with some of the pressure yeah i i mean you know looking back on it i was a little more disappointed that we couldn't take more attempt uh, advantage of their deficiencies on set pieces yeah I mean, they had seven shot attempts on set pieces and we had two and it was only eight to five in corners so and really their second goal which we'll get to in a bit kind of came off a scramble kind of from a corner um, if you look at the setup too, I mean, it was kind of Luca Dean, I thought was pushed up a little higher normally, but the, the average position doesn't show that uh, you do see kind of the Wobie stacking on top of Coleman, but gray was more advanced and, and he was in a free roll. I, I still do not like, I think Alon and Decorey, there is too much space between them and the center halves. And I don't know how we fix that. If that's an Alon thing, even though he played better, I think this week, um, I think what I was also disappointed in a little bit is we had 20 interceptions to their nine, but we really only dispossessed them six times. So I felt like they were a little too comfortable with possession. And I think when we defended in that four, four, two, the two up top, I mean, they were fine, you know, but um, I, I don't think they really, I, I don't know. I think it's hard because you see Richarlison up there and he's normally such a good defensive player. Um, and you didn't see too much of that today. But I would say that we were relatively balanced when we took the ball and attacked and and, when we attacked fast and hard on the counter. Absolutely. I mean, you look at the shot breakdown and it was relatively even despite the the discrepancies in possession. And for the second week in a row, Everton favored the right hand side and attack about 38 percent versus only 29 on the left and 32 percent down the middle, which was interesting. Um, I I, I do agree with your point regarding Allen and Decore, I think it's asking a lot for them to cover all of that space. And we they played well. I mean, it's not that they, uh, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. Well. I thought yeah. they both played well, but that's like a ticking time bomb. I think to, in some regard, you definitely want to, would like to have that sitting six that we talked about to sort of shore up that extra space and allow them to get forward without having to have the, the high risk downside there. 
Yeah, and I mean, the wrist produced some attack. I mean, you free up Gray, yeah. you push Dean maybe a little higher at times to support him, and Alon comes up there as well to support. So, I mean, you got to do one or the other, and maybe it's just the center halves again because we talked about it last year, and Michael Keane is not comfortable pushing up high. You know, he doesn't do well in space. So, <laughs> you scoff. yeah, well, we saw that today. I know that, but but ultimately... You know, I, I, maybe that's it. I, I Maybe it's just a personnel thing, but I'm sure uh, Benitez is going to go back and look at that. And look, Leeds will stretch it too. That's yeah. the other challenge. I, I wanted to see us 4-5-1. I wanted to see Richarlison or someone dropping deep just because I thought they would spread us out and ping the ball back and forth a, a really well and make it tough for us. I, but, I mean, I thought we defended okay. I mean, I can't really point to any phenomenal chances they had other than the mistake. And that was, yeah. re- you know what I mean? Because it wasn't like, it wasn't such a fluid attack. I mean, most of their shots were outside of the box. Um, none were incredibly dangerous. I mean, a couple here or there, but that's typical. But again, they're also set up for you to make mistakes. But but they caused the mistake. It wasn't like it's off a off a turnover or anything. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. I mean, I think you look back at that match and, and it was extremely entertaining, I thought, for the most part. I mean, a lot happened. There was some... <laughs> antics from players yeah. on both sides yeah there was i will talk about there were some questionable referee decisions we saw var come into play but at the end of the day you're right we for the second week in a row i think created the better chances and probably deserved all three points now you're talking about away matches and you'll you'll be content with the one but in terms of chance creation i mean 53 percent of our shots came inside the 18 whereas 59 percent of leads were outside of the box now obviously the rafinha goal will uh kind of go against that grain but for the most part you know you you have that balance of shots over the course of a campaign you're going to have success as uh you add more data points to that chart yeah i i agree and look you got it right i mean start going into the game i mean we, we struggled with their pressure early we definitely did uh and again you made a great point earlier too i mean it's us playing kind of in a new way we haven't played together that much i mean richarlison's played 45 minutes in that role i mean like yeah. literally in his career <laughs> in all honesty um, in at least in that way, you know, trying to move the ball very quickly, you know, not, not in a possession based team. I mean, he played a little bit down the middle of the Olympics, but I, and literally his whole, his whole career has either been, you know, center forward or kind of left wing, some right, that type of thing. So that's a challenge. You know what I mean? Uh, Mina coming in new to uh, change things a little bit, but, but look, I mean, we still had a couple chances early and you could see that. Yeah, they had the ball a lot, but I mean, like in the 70th, in the 17th minute, um, that was a fantastic kind of show of us and fluid and counterattacking and how I think Rafael Benitez wants to play. Yeah. in some uh, displays of Tamari Gray's electric pace, where he basically makes like a 30, 40 yard run to get to the edge of the 18 and puts another cross Ryan, whether he looked up or not beforehand, right on the six yard line and Dominic Calvert-Lewin again, just a couple steps too late, but getting himself right around that area. And it seems like those chemistry links are starting to uh, come to fruition at least a little bit. Yeah. Despite what some people out there in the lovely social media <laughs> world are saying uh, that me like doubting Gray's ability and stuff. No, I, I, I don't. Again, we talked about this a lot before the pod. Me personally, I, I have to admit, I'm a little frustrated about it today. I, I, I don't understand. Like I, you could say, oh, Ryan never says he's wrong. He's always in denial. I never really say I'm right, though, either. Like, I, I'm not making predictions. I'm just telling you what I've seen for Gray. You know, I think it's worth a gamble considering we needed people with pace and can dribble. I get that. But he has reserve. I mean, he was 
he wasn't a 30 million pound player here. There are reservations there. And I think one of the reservations was, you know, why does a guy have such terrible crossing stats? Why does that mean he cannot serve a ball physically? Jeez, no, no. I mean, his right foot's unbelievable, by the way. I mean, technically it's really good. He can strike a ball so well. That's not it. It's his inability to get his head up and show vision and be creative in a space. Like the way he played at Leverkusen was pulling back a lot on the left side and he just didn't move the ball. Like he's not a great one touch player either, or hasn't been in a while. So I'm convinced that Roth has told him bang it as hard as you can right to the six. I mean, you have it to works. Do it. it works. Yeah, no, I mean, totally. Look it's Southampton. What did he do? Look to play a right to the six and right. Dominic Calvert-Lewin obviously instructed to be waiting for that ball at the six. And look, that's a viable strategy. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, he like it, that combination was great. It was a little one touch by Iwobi and they both kind of took off. And I mean, look, so I think Raphael has taken some of the things away from him that maybe were tough for him that he struggled with. Um, and he, he's given him the freedom to play and play direct like he's forcing him play direct, you know. And look, I mean, what was it? I mean, his numbers today were really good. Yeah, he ended up with one key pass, a couple dribbles, a tackle and an interception. But just to watch him on the ball, the ability to actually like beat a man <laughs> straight yeah. up pace for pace. We haven't really had a ton of players. Richarlison can do it. Calvert-Lewin can occasionally do it. But it, it's nice to have that injection of just raw speed and te- technical ability into the side. It freezes guys, too. I, I mean, it, it, it yeah. provides space for other people, too. And look, that's one thing if he was being all reckless, taking chances. But he took care of the ball today. Yeah. I mean, 91.7% passing. I mean, he made, basically made uh, almost no mistakes the entire day. Now, he may have been totally gassed after 70 minutes. Um, but what I really appreciate, too, is Raph is getting the defensive contributions off him, too. I mean, he's not running around like a madman or anything, but he seems like he looks better positionally, defensively, than I, I've seen him be. And yeah. maybe it's a commitment thing. Maybe he's energized. It could be a lot of different things. But um, look, it, it was a risk in terms of signing, but. I mean, he's almost paid for himself in the first two get matches, has he not? Absolutely. And I mean, I think you get a guy like that coming in with maybe a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, some point yeah. to prove, dispel any, you know, misconceptions or people saying he's not good enough. And that can be a, a powerful motivational tool for guys. And I think we're starting to see that, that pay off for us. We've already gotten a lot out of him and I just hope it continues. You know, I hope he maintains his enthusiasm. It doesn't kind of get all grumpy and stuff like, like he kind of has in other places and maybe his maturity will help him in that regard. So anyway, get without belaboring the point endlessly. Um, one of the more entertaining things today certainly was uh, certain matchups that I don't know, kind of uh, uh, maybe it was a little bit dark arts, things like that. I mean, look, Le- leads are known for their, some of their antics. Uh, I think that's a fair thing to say, even though they're a good team and I mean, the Cooper Dominic Calvert-Lewin battle was certainly one of them. And I know Dom was pretty frustrated. Um, I mean, so in the 26th minute, we have a foul. Cooper grabs Dom in the box. And, you know, at first I looked at it, I was like, I mean, he held him back. Like Dom should, it was a lovely cross by Dean. So you're just expecting Dom to rise up and bury it, right? Right. And he's in a great position. Right. And he does Cooper behind him. So it's kind of like, well, how did that not happen? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it didn't that like immediately when you see it immediately, you're kind of like, wait a second, there, there's some, something, something ain't happened. right. Something right. ain't right. <laughs> and even, at, even when it was live, I thought it looked like from that camera angle, it looked like Dom might've gone down a little bit soft and I wasn't watching him the whole time. I was obviously like, I was watching the ball yeah, and then the ball in. And then 
obviously the referee wasn't watching it either, but then it goes to VAR and like on the first replay that you see, it's like, oh yeah, that's yeah. the most obvious penalty yep. I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, once they ruled his shirt in half. Yeah, once they ruled it was on side, uh, which that was a little bit of concern. But yeah, you've got to call that. Now, here's the question. By the rules, was he making an attempt on the ball? Because if he was not, it It should should be a red red card. I I don't look uh, taking the rules out. I can't believe I'm doing this This is like the most anti Ryan thing in the world. Uh, But that would have been brutal. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think it's Harsh, garbage. Yeah. And he was holding Dominic Calvert-Lewin the whole match. And some of this letting letting the game go stuff, I think, is getting a little ridiculous. But teams have to adjust for it. And if they want Dominic Calvert-Lewin to play like a bulldog the whole match, I'm sure he'd be fine with that. Yeah. Um, but part of his advantage is his pace, too. So, I mean, he was grabbing him the whole entire match. So, uh, I'm glad it happened. And look, he, he, I was a little... Were you surprised that Dominic took the penalty? Well... I- no, because of the, on one hand, I was like, no? well, who the heck's going to take it? And you didn't then think I was like, would take it? I, th- I thought it would be between one of those two. And I'm, I was, I guess I was a little bit surprised, but there wasn't necessarily like an obvious, obviously certain someone who wasn't there who typically takes them. And so it was like, okay, probably Richarlison, but then Dom steps up. I, I really liked the short little run up and he smashes it into the side netting. Nothing that Melier could do about it. And we're up one, nothing inside half an hour. Ideal start, right? I mean, just an absolute ideal start. Um, and look, they came out, you know, pretty, you know, pretty intense after that. Wait, before uh, we go, before we move yes. on, I do, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a special shout out to the guy slapping his beer belly behind the goal, <laughs> as well as the old lady uh, flipping him the yeah. bird. Yeah, Don, photo, Don put that picture out too. That was good. Sensational. Yeah. Great. Um, yes. How, how, why would we want to not capture that in all yeah. its essence? Yeah, the Leeds fans looked like they were pretty fired up. Um, yeah, and look, and then Leeds came out and went after us a bit. No question about it. Uh, 32nd minute, that curler from Rafinha. Yeah, James in our notes has foreshadowing. Yeah, he was looking for that shot all day, and that's sort of his one of he's his good. Uh, preferred. Yeah, he's a great player, and that's one of his preferred uh, looks there, and he's very good at finishing them, as we would find out. But in the 37th minute, five minutes later, one of the more bizarre coming together is <laughs> between Mina and Bamford ends with both of them getting a yellow card. It was like a, a kind of a flop from Mina and then he grabs his face, but he didn't go fully down. He's still trying to play the ball while grabbing his face. Bamford grabs his face too. They're like falling on top of each other, standing up, hugging ends in a weird hug situation. And yeah, both go in the referee's book there. It was strange to watch. Well, I think Mina was ticked when he hit him in the face earlier, yeah. you know, and, and clearly Jerry was trying to get in his, his brain a little bit. Um, and look, I mean, the bottom line is it's going to be the same thing as on the other end too. You know, it's up to Mina to stop Bamford. That was basically his job today. And he stuffed him, I think, you know, uh, and, and Bamford is not maybe the greatest finisher and whatnot, but his movement is terrific. He's a very smart player. So if you can get in his head a little bit, that's fine. And, and I mean, yes, it was strange. I mean, the Mina balancing the, his stomach on the ball for a while, yeah. like right. It just wouldn't go line. out of bounds. I, it was beyond strange. Actually, I think Mina's got a shot at just getting yellow on Bamford if he doesn't hug him kind of at the end. Yeah. Um, but I will say this, you know, if those two are dropping the gloves, I like Mina's chances. <laughs> yeah, I like Mina's odds as well there. Yeah, but it was it was good to see us on the better side of kind of getting in someone's head. But unfortunately, I, they were putting the heat on us and. I can't, I mean, the goal certainly that came soon after was not against the run of play, but it was, 
it was unfortunate. I, I mean, the way the way it came about was not how I was expecting them to score for sure. Yeah, it was a strange one. It was a long ball up, I think, from Ailing. Um, and Rafinha and Dean both go in for the challenge. Rafinha gets like the slightest touch on it. Uh, and that was it goes, a pretty fortunate almost deflection, I think. Yeah, they're like both in very awkward positions, and I don't think it was really his intent, but he plays it infield, and Michael Keane kind of misjudges it or doesn't anticipate it early enough, and so he lets it run across his body. Bamford is right there, intercepts it. Keane goes in for a clumsy challenge, beaten pretty easily there, and then Bamford plays it to click, and... uh click slots at home and they're level through another essentially gifted goal, which was immensely frustrating. Yeah. Mina was kind of out in no man's land on a two on one. <clears throat> Keen didn't recover very well. I, I still don't like how stretched out that was. I mean, I don't know what the solution is there to move the center halves up. I mean, if the ball is, you know, inside the other team's 18, I, I don't understand why we've got center mids, 40 yards away from the back line. Uh, I don't know where, where Coleman is at this point. I just, it just didn't seem, seem right. Uh, maybe it was a little unlucky. It's on Keen though. Ultimately. I mean, it's a bad yeah. mistake, but, but we've also said, you're not really putting him in a position to succeed. If you've got him marking and, and dealing with guys out in the open like that. I mean, that's not, I, I still think he's a useful player. If you're going to play in a low block, if you're sitting back, he will eat up the headers I think he's got some vertical passing ability, but, and I asking actually think him to cover that much ground. <sighs> you're just asking for trouble. And we've learned that lesson the hard way now, twice in two games. I, I think what I was upset about a little bit is that we're up one nil at this point. Like we can't sit back a little bit, be compact, yeah. play like Rafael Benitez. I can't believe I'm asking us to play like Rafael <laughs> Benitez, but seriously play like him, sit back, focus on the counter, get your stuff together, man. Why are we getting so expansive at that point in the match? That was really disappointing to me. Um, but ultimately, it's Keane's mistake, and that's two in two weeks. Um, you know, it, it's it's disappointing. We did respond a little bit there, created, you know, some opportunities there to get to halftime. Yeah, just before half, it was just a Decore forcing a save uh, on a nice little turn and pass. Feeds, feeds uh, Richarlison feeds him at the top of the box, and he hits it. Decore getting involved offensively yet again. As you said, there's yeah. pros and cons there, but it's good to see him um, able to at least try to contribute offensively, which was just never happened. But that essentially gets us to halftime. Richarlison yeah. in that area where uh, he can be perhaps most effective. Yeah, and that's that's where I like him to be. You know, coming off the left, cutting inside, so he's a threat to score as well as pass, and he can make that square ball if someone's going to you know overplay him or back off yeah. him, and he did. But look, we went in the half. I mean, Leeds had 73.5% possession. May have been slightly the byproduct of the goal. But look, we were struggling with their pressure. And the bottom line is the way Benitez wants to play is you've got to release the ball. And I know yeah. that's hard to do, but we were not doing that as quickly as possible. And when we did, the ball would go nowhere near Dominic Calvert-Lewin. So what I've seen Benitez do in the past, and we talked about this endlessly in the assessment, is using the target guy, not as necessarily you know the final finisher, the header. Like, it's funny, if you go back and look in history, I mean, almost none of his target guys got a ton of headed goals. It's, and you start, to, well, how is that possible? Well, it's because I think more often than not, he would use them as kind of a release and playing that low block, and we'd win the second ball, or he'd lay it off to, you know, a, a more creative player. You know, right. Rafa normally stacks the center forward, the target guy with like a, a playmaker type, you know? And um, we didn't see that, but I, I can't totally blame Dominic Calvert-Lewin for that. He had a tough matchup, but I think... 
in addition to being injured, right? I think Rafa said that he was still, he didn't get much training and whatnot. Yeah. He, so that it could have been tactically. It could have been, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. But I think a lot of it was that we just didn't have the composure to hoof it up to him in a position where he, he can, he can win the ball and we can kind of spring on the counter a little bit. So we were definitely disjointed and that's a big reason for, for the possession. I don't care as much about possession, but I think that's why we didn't have quite as many dangerous counters that I was hoping. Right. And that gets us to halftime. We're level. And as you said, I think some adjustments were made to try to make us a little bit more, more formidable in the second half in terms of attacking. I thought the defensive shape was a little better too. Don't you think like we kind of came out, I felt like we were a little more compact, a little more less stretched. Yeah. I think, I think that's two matches in a row now that we've made some useful adjustments at half that have improved our shape. So that's at the very least encouraging. And then just essentially Shortly after the second half kicks off, we had our second goal in the 49th minute. Really neat little buildup. Coleman, I think, wins a long ball and heads it to a Wobi, who plays it, takes it back to goal and plays a nice outside of the foot pass inside to Decore, who gets a little bit lucky. Maybe it was calculated, plays it back to himself off stroke, which was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then slots Gray in and Gray does similar to Decore's goal last week, does a lot of the work himself. He makes a nice little turn. He pauses really neatly to sort of put the defender off, and he finishes from a really tough angle. Uh, bonus points for the nutmeg on Stu Dallas, who I always remember, like, Stu Dallas. That's how I always want to say his name because he just... But anyway, regardless, we got Damari Gray opening his Everton account and putting Everton in the lead yet again. Yeah, that's rule number one in defending. You cannot let someone get a shot through your legs. You can't yeah. do it. Um, in Dallas's defense, I mean, well, I shouldn't say that he has played some defense in the past. But hey, I mean, it was a great finish. Uh, it was perfect exactly where you wanted it to be. Uh, left foot. Gray is so technical. He really is. I mean, he, he just strikes the ball well, handles the ball well. It was wonderful to see. He deserved it. He was dangerous the whole time. Um, and then it seemed like we were rolling here. Like, I really thought, and we had lots of chances to get that third goal. We were definitely pushing for it. Um, I thought this was probably our best stretch of the match. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, two excellent chances to kill the game off. In the 52nd minute, there was a really nice give and go between Gray and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And then they almost do a give and go again. Gray drives into the six, uh, plays it to DCL. I thought it was through. I thought, I thought it him. was through. Melier almost gets nutmegged for the goal, but he somehow like reaches back and stops it. It's like uh, a hockey that, goalie who thinks he's beat. He doesn't know where yes, the puck is. Right. Puts the glove down, like yeah. just g- grabbing. No idea where the puck is. <laughs> hopelessly. Flops down that was, the back. But that was some, again, really good interplay between those two players. Um, playing really, fast. Playing fast and direct. And unselfishly. And, and, yes. And looking for guys. Yeah. Yep. 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 And then the 47th minute. I, I'm not sure, was this Furpo just terrible defense here? Or, I mean, Awobi's taking off. So the problem with Awobi in the right, we've talked about it a million different times. I mean, there's no one to his right. And he's not going to score off his left. He's not a good shooter enough, even with his right foot. And I just think, you know, driving to the middle, normally someone will block his path to the middle and he'll, you know, cut back and play safe and take better care of the ball. I mean, his passing stats have always been higher percentage-wise on the right, uh, but he's less dangerous but this time he plays it by Furpo, just smokes him, just totally glides right by him. And Furpo is not a slow guy. And then Dominic looks like he's in a good spot. There's enough room in the channel. And can we talk about this pass from Alex Awobi? I mean, th- and he's right in the position where I think he's best suited, you know, gliding in the middle of the pitch. Normally, ideally, if you had a couple, got an option to his right. I think what he does here is he looks left. 
Like, I think yeah. he's looking over at, I think it was Richarlison. Maybe it was gray just kind of gives a, almost like a no look pass and he freezes, you know, whoever's kind of in front uh, of him and they all kind of look over that side and he just puts this perfect ball right to Dom. Yeah. And Dom is positioned really well on the back shoulder of Strook, uh, and he sort of gets out ahead. He's actually in an offside position, waits for the defensive line to drop because he can see it. It's yeah. a perfect line of sight. And then just fades off the back shoulder and a woe be the weight on that pass and just the way it split and destroyed the entire Leeds defense puts it on a plate for, for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And that one I think was probably the best chance of the game, just how good that pass was. But Melier again, closes down fairly well, still would expect Dom to probably put that home, but it is a good bit of goalkeeping as well. You know, he didn't quite anticipate it perfectly, but he does deserve credit for getting back on side. Maybe it was almost too easy. Uh, you got to give the keeper credit for coming out and, and setting a good angle. Took it off the left. Maybe he steps in front of it a little quicker and kind of toe taps it by him with the right. I don't know. Um, but it was still an, a massive chance. And it was a great stretch of the game. But you could tell we started once we started conceding too much possession, we started wearing out for sure. Uh, I mean, I thought several times in the 60s. In the minutes, I was thinking, dear Lord, we need a sub. Dear Lord, yeah. we need a sub. And I actually think Benitez probably missed a trick or two here. Um, he probably could have subbed. It probably could have slowed the match down, given us a little more time, you know, because you're going to get exhausted. No team is fitter than Leeds. Um, and sure enough, Leeds, Leeds scores. I can't say it was exactly coming, but you kind of had a, you know what I mean? There weren't all these slew of dangerous plays, but you just kind of got a feeling that we were wilting a little bit. It's a little bit of a strange goal, but the finish is great. It's a really strange goal. And you're right. It, it didn't really feel like they were threatening us, but at the same time, when you let two golden chances slip, like, like we did, it opens the door for that possibility. And it's a, it's actually like the fallout from a corner. Uh, Calvin Phillips gets it wide and puts in a, a second ball across back post. It ends up falling. I think to Bamford, maybe who, uh, heads it and then someone lays it off to Rafinha who just wastes no time scorching curler side netting nothing Jordan Pickford can do completely frozen and leads are level and that sets us up for 20 minutes of Ellen Road and full voice hostile environment and uh a little bit nerve-wracking I think for everyone watching at that point yeah I should Pickford have done better on that I mean it's a really good shot but I can't tell if he can't see it because yeah. there's such a crowd of people in front of him. I mean, it's a re- it's side net. You know, it's going left to right. I, I don't think so, but. I thought just- the same thing, honestly, when I was. And then I rewatched the highlight a few times. And uh, I thought he probably could have done a better job on the first goal, honestly, of closing down the angle and coming out earlier. But I'm not going to fault him Yeah, I mean, um, for the second goal. It's a yeah, wonder strike. And even in the first one, too. I mean, yeah, you'd love to see him come up big. I mean, actually, in many ways. That would have been pretty interesting because, I mean, you know, goalies need to make big plays. And I think Nestler, you know, in the back kind of made the one-on-one save against Dom. But that that one, I don't know. I No, I don't really fall pick on that one, too. I mean, he didn't make any stellar saves today, but those would have been, I don't know. It's a great shot. You know, you got to kind of yeah. hand it to him. Um, yeah, I, I'll tell you what, though. I was a little bit impressed with our, our response after the goal. I mean, we created some chances. In fact, I would say we had a better chance of winning probably the last you know, 10 minutes for sure. I was so excited in the 73rd because Wobie actually had a beautiful cross and that doesn't happen very often from the right <laughs> yeah. side, uh, which Dom just kind of missed the header. You know, Dom was a little off today. I think that's yeah. okay to say that. 
Richarlison had his best chance in the 75th minute. Otherwise, he really didn't threaten too much, at least shooting wise. This one didn't miss by too much. No, this was a really neat curler. And he actually starts taking it left and cuts it back and uh, unleashes a shot. Really uh, scared Melier quite a bit, but it ended up wide. And then in the 83rd, we brought Delphon. Yeah, can we Ooh. talk about that for a second? Like, we got to stop this garbage where, look, I know you don't like the guy, but the second you see him queued up, he's not a disaster of a player for heaven's sakes. How can they bring him in except for JPG? Blah, 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 blah. Cut it out, man. Like, look, if you don't like him, that's fine. But don't sit there and cuss the guy out or whatever before he even gets a chance to show up. I mean, show a little support for heaven's sake. It just yeah. it irritates yeah. me, man. I don't. I don't like it. I, I don't even understand it really, but it irritates me. That's all. And he was brought on for gray, which I think was, you know, obviously a, a slightly conservative sub. Yeah. It um, was. Which I think maybe is what people were more upset about than anything else, but uh, would have liked to see some, you know, us go for the win. But I also understand why you want to bring a guy like Delph, a steadying presence is good on the ball and can, can help us maintain possession, uh, get a better foothold in possession than we had had for most of the match up to that point. And he did a good job of kind of settling us down. Um, and, and then really, we also saw Moise Keen really briefly in a cameo at the end. Not much of an impact, but the last real chance. Almost scored, though. Almost scored yes. that kind of weird deflection that that would, I mean, that would have been, been wild. Yeah. That would have been amazing, right? Um, and then at the end, obviously, we we, we hung in there. Uh, Keen had that great header off the corner, kind of flicking it back behind him. Can we talk about Yuri Mina's antics in the, in the very last minute? Please let's talk. Let's talk. I mean, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Really, he's laying on the ground. He blocks one. He kind of, you know, goes in for a challenge and just, you know, lays waste to some. I think it was Bamford again. I just, uh, I mean, he, he's just in beast mode there. He's just totally like a man possessed in the ninety fourth to see it out. He's the kind of player that, similar to Richarlison, I think they're they're both similar in this regard that you hate if you're the opposition. Like I saw a tweet saying, I saw a tweet. Uh, from our friends actually at the mostly soccer podcast saying that Mina was the most unlikable player in the premier league, which I couldn't disagree more with. I think he's great, but also, you know, got a little bit of bias, but it's great to see him. You love that type of player as an Everton fan, or if that player plays for your club type of player that just infuriates the living daylights out of opposition and, and Mina, his antics, you know, cost him a yellow card today and hopefully he can keep a cool head for the remainder of the season. But it is great to see him get under the opposition skin. It was just such a strange play because the ball kind of bounces back to Bamford on the ground. I know. know, And he tries to like swim kick it. I I don't know. It was just so strange. But I mean, Yuri Nina truly is one of those rare players that he does something in some matches at least once or twice a year that and look, we have both watched a lot of this sport that you've never seen. Like I, I like his whole thing with he's an innovator. earlier. I, yeah, I don't know if he means to be like, I just, I've never seen anything quite like that, you know, kind of rolling around on the ball in your stomach. I, I just don't even know what to say. Um, it's like the barking dog inbounds play like in basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was very strange. I, I couldn't, I think I left the match thinking we probably got the better of the chances. Um, I think statistically with kind of the XGs, God, it was all over the place. Right. And you know, for, for like your XG, some, you know, we always get the penalty is, you know, typically 0.76 chance of scoring a penalty. So you got to factor that in, but, you know, penalty aside, I still think we probably got the better of chances, but it, God, the numbers were all over the place. Yeah. We had really two major XG numbers that came out that we were going to reference here. One's the XG philosophy who we used a lot last season. The others, uh, Keely graphics, there will be more to come out, but 
XG Philosophy had us at 1.62. Kaylee had us at 1.2. Leads at 0.68 for XG Philosophy versus one. So talking about like a 0.4 swing, 0.3 swing in either direction. So there's there's obviously that just I guess that just uh, exhibits the differences in the models and how you can come to dramatically different conclusions based on the weights of the the goals. But either way, Everton had I think the better chances. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, and it really, as I think everyone knew, it would come down to how we dealt with Leeds pressure. And I think you could probably give us, you know, a, a B minus maybe. You're not certainly not giving us an A. I think we struggled a lot, but we also didn't concede a whole lot of chances. So it's hard to feel too downtrodden about it. Yeah, I thought we didn't do well with the pressure, frankly, as well as I, I think we could have. But I thought we also attacked fluidly at times effectively. So. Yes. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a point, you know, I'm not too terribly upset about it. You know, um, look, they only had four shots on target for heaven's sakes too, but it's hard to look at that possession and think, I mean, I know it doesn't mean that much. We had a little more possession in the second half. I thought we were more organized. I, I don't, by the way, though, I still don't, it was, it was almost a little too passive for me sometimes though. I mean, mm. they shouldn't have more tackles than us when they've got yeah. the ball 70% of the time. So, I mean, I don't know. We had some interesting comments too from, from, our listeners, which I really appreciated in some great dialogue after the game. It is strange. You know, you're seeing a lot of different things now from different tactics. And, and uh, I, I think it's, it's been interesting to see how he's used players. Um, but I'm kind of curious what you think in terms of performances individually, because some stood out, I thought for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the consensus was that Dominic Calvert-Lewin, maybe not on his a game, but I thought he was effective today. I was pleased with Allen and Decore. Um, even if neither of them were perfect, I thought Allen was instrumental and, you know, he just has this like nose for the ball, this knack for winning the ball back into Decore everywhere as always. I don't think that's sustainable to ask him to be everywhere all the time. Um, it's a nice asset to have, but he definitely needs some support. I thought Damari Gray was really good. And it's really interesting. Uh, according to who scored every outfield player besides Yerry Mina and Michael Keane registered at least one key pass today. I think we had like 15 as a side. So even though the possession's not there, the intent in attack certainly is players looking to create and get the ball forward, um, at least in theory. And it's fluid at times too. So uh, Casey Griffin at C underscore Griff 314. Um, we had the better chances, if not necessarily being the better team. No one had a 9-10 performance, but several players had solid 7-8s. Gray, Alon, Mina, encouraged by our ability to get into the attacking third quickly. Way less meaningless possession than years past. I mean, Leeds is kind of going to force that on you. But in fact, anything, if I would argue, we tried to maybe hang on to it a little too much later instead yeah. of continuing the purposeful tack. It may have been because we were exhausted. Um, but yeah, so can we talk about the yellows for a second? Yeah, I, mean, I do want to talk about I, it. Some of them may have been needless, but I, I just felt like maybe they were frustrated. I'll tell you, Alon was so mad at the end. Oh yeah. my God, he was so furious at the right. I that guy hates getting disciplined, by the way. And I think people think he's like this walking red card. He really is not. He's very disciplined the way he plays. He tackles, but he does not foul all that often unless he intends to foul. But like when he whips his hand straight up in the air, like yeah. one hand up in the air. I love it. He gets so well, at one point I saw. I mean, he's clearly learning, picking up English because I saw him going yes, he F, off, F off to the referee <laughs> at the end, yep. which was nice. But to your point, look, Coleman, Dean and Mina all picked up yellows that were pretty needless today. Dean and Coleman both for kicking the ball away after the whistle's gone, which why 
is just why. Yeah. It, it's just a moment of, of lack of composure and similar to Mina lack of composure there against Bamford. Just yeah, don't hug cool him. Head. If you don't hug him, you, you maybe get him the yellow, the kick in the ball away. There's a way to do it without getting the yellow. You know, if you yeah, want to just, boot it, no, they were mad. I mean, you could tell it. Um, Oh, that's right. Those add up. Decore's was garbage, though, by the way. That was a horrible call. Agreed. But the point is, these yellows, you know, Decore for like getting one for taking his shirt off. Like, okay, it's a good celebration. (laughs) No, it's dumb. It's dumb. But it's dumb. It's dumb because that adds up really quickly, especially for a player like him who tends to pick up yellows. And eventually he's going to be suspended and we're going to be looking at it. It's like, it's just foolish. So it's similar with Coleman and Dean. Like, those guys are going to pick up cards. And so, especially for Coleman, if we don't get a right back in like that, it just garbage, makes no sense. Yeah. Garbage foul calls. I, I don't disagree with that. So Humphrey at Mr. With a C. Um, we were going back and forth a little bit on some of the, the officiating and, and kind of the inconsistencies. We thought his response was the whole booking players are kicking the ball away. What about when they kicked the ball away when we had a pin and making DCL wait ages to take it? Where's the consistency? Also, for me, the pen was a red card. Clear goal-scoring opportunity. I mean, by the letter of law, maybe. I still think that would have been harsh and unfortunate, but I get it. Um, yeah, I... God, you can't have Coleman getting suspended. I mean, look, I, I, ex- I don't think Coleman and Dean really fouled him, frankly, so I think yeah. that's part of the frustration, but I, I will say this about Seamus Coleman. That was a disappointing reaction, but the guy was fighting today. I mean, he wasn't getting up in the attack, but it was clear that that right side and a Wobie together with him. Those guys were focused on stopping the attack down the left, and I thought they did a decent job with it. I mean, Harrison is really good and didn't do anything today. Yeah. Um, but Coleman, again, sitting farther back. I can't get forward, but the defense, two tackles, five interceptions, seven combined. Again, last week we said this. He only beat that one other time all last year, and he did the same thing last week. I mean, back-to-back games of just defensive sturdiness and a Wobie deserves credit two tackles two interceptions 87 percent passing again he takes care of the ball when he's on the right side give him credit for the two key passes though they were important they were passes that were impactful you know what yeah. i mean um you know so he still was able to contribute even though he's sitting farther back but you got to give those guys credit on the right side they were stout and made it tough for leads going down the side they forced them almost over to dean's side which normally you take that exchange yeah and Heart, you know, calling back to the earlier stat, I mean, most of our attacks coming down the right, but yet yeah, Seamus Coleman really wasn't involved in that at all. So even though he can't get up and down like he used to, he can still be useful on the defensive, at least in the final third and uh, provide some leadership and support for the, for the rest of the side. But Ryan, I know you wanted to talk about Richarlison's positioning. We discussed it a little bit earlier, but Richie at the 10, I mean, I think between that front three of gray Richarlison and Awobi you could certainly do some reshuffling if needed to try to get the best out of each individual. Do you think those three, so forget the, t- for some reason people had a problem with me using the term 10. It's just vaguely where he was playing. I mean, behind, I'm not behind DCO. Yeah. I'm not referencing a, an over. It's not, I'm not talking about a role. I'm not saying he's a traditional attacking midfielder or an advanced playmaker or the FM football manager type terms and crap. I'm, I'm talking about like how Rafa has set up teams in the past. And what he plays is if he plays two strikers up top, and I, I thought it was debatable whether we were playing a 4-4-2 in attack or 4-1-1 or 4-2-3-1. It doesn't really matter. But the, the second striker, that guy is kind of stacked on top of, of more of a target striker typically in the past. But it's not been 
a forward like that. It's it's usually been a more creative type player, someone that may play in a more traditional 10 sense for other clubs, but not in a Rafa technique. So so the first question I got to ask is Gray, Richarlison, Awobi. Say we're going to play the 4-2-3-1 and those are the three. How would you line them up? Is that the right use for them? Gray left, Richie in middle, and Awobi on the right. Not for me. No, I think we're on the same page with this. I mean, personally, I'd like to see Wobi central because I think, you know, b- between the other two guys, they've got that electric pace. I think Richarlison, unfortunately for him, is probably the most versatile of the three and could go anywhere. But I'd prefer to see him probably on the right and see Gray down the left. I think that that would uh, probably get the best out of him because I don't think you lose as much with Richie on the right as you do with the other guys. Or, and they could be fluid. Like, I'm okay with Gray. And that's and even better, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Flipping back and forth. I mean, I, I would probably put Richie as the better player on the left and maybe have Gray firing in more crosses. I mean, I'd like to see him stack on a single side. Some we've seen a little bit of that from Benitez, and I think it's worked really. You know, if you have the ability to do it, if we're playing compact enough, you could probably get away with it. If we're fluid enough top that you kind of overload on one side with those guys, you could see how dangerous that was. Um, yeah, I, I just think what, what you're asking that player to do, what we've seen, and we did all this research, you know, in, in, in watching Benitez's teams and how they set up, you're really asking that player to, I mean, they do need to score. So I see a little bit of the need to play with Charleston there, and I'll get to some of the comments people have made. You've got to move the ball quickly. It's got to be aggressive. It's got to be direct. It's got to be fast. Get the ball, move it. So when Leeds is pressuring you, you have to release the ball fast. You cannot dwell on that. And that is not Richarlison's game. He likes to hold it. He likes to fend someone off. He likes to kind of slowly dribble at them. He likes to get a shot off. He, he does it better from the left cutting in. We haven't seen him play in the right much since Marco Silva, really. Um, I just, so today, I, a lot of people thought he played well. I did not think he played well. Um, so look, the numbers, what do the numbers say? Four bad touches, dispossessed two times, five shots. I mean, none of them were on target. Only one was even remotely dangerous. And it was a good shot but it was also him cutting in from the left. So three key passes, none of the key pass. I mean, one was like Andrus Townsend dribble 50 yards and shoot. Um, You you know what I mean? The other one was. It it does. But again, it's the same. This is why stats need context and also need a larger sample size. Like a didn't get assist today. Oh, he's terrible. He never gets an assist yet. He made the best. I mean, made a much better pass than he did last week. When he had an you know, it's not even right. a compare. So you have to look at things reasonably. Yeah, I mean, all those shots were outside of the box, you know, and and so he doesn't really, he wasn't really effective to me as as a playmaker necessarily. Again, I'm just using that as a general term, you know. I'm just talking about creating for others. He didn't do that much. Um, and but what I think is is the real problem is defensively. I, I think it's a bigger problem because. I like him on the side helping to spring the counter, and maybe it's the team we played against today too. So I'm not, I'm not. It's early. You know, I don't, I'm not being overly judgmental here, but I mean, when was the last time Richarlison didn't have a single interception or, or a tackle? Yeah. I mean, we rely on him, relied on him so much for yeah. what he was able to offer on both sides of the ball. And I agree when you're using him sort of in that secondary quote unquote, number 10 or second striker, whatever you want to call it, you do lose that element of his game. And look, he's still getting a tune out of Damari Gray and Alex will be on the defensive yes. side of the ball, but you still miss out on his ability to tackle, his ability to track back. And he, similar to other guys in the team, he can't do it all, but you would like to see some more balance. Yeah, and I just, I think it's just the profile. I just don't think he has the right skill sets to be successful in that position. 
it's not saying that he can't be in that position. I'm not talking about tactically knowing where to go. That, that is not what I'm talking. About. I'm talking about what the position requires. So, so we, we went through the whole team assessment, which I would love for people to go back and listen to. I think we did a lot of good research. We talked each position who Rafael Benitez has used in the past, who he has acquired. And we got into a lot of depth. So, I mean, look at the tandems, like at Valencia at Amar, who's just so good. But, you know, he's this little kind of running around playmaking guy, but he would stack them with Mista or, you know, other bigger guys up top. Um, Garcia, who he converted from a wide player, playing very direct, attacking, scored a lot. And Barosh was kind of like the center, you know, the target guy playing off him. So that's the thing that people forget about. Like, that, it's not going to, if you play with Charleston in the, on the wings, it's not going to take away for our overall team goal scoring output. I think it'll be different. I just think Alex Awobi is better as one player. I think Hamas would be even better at getting the ball and moving it very quickly and running with it. You know, and you may make some mistakes out of expediency and give the ball up, but who cares? Rafa doesn't care about that because he knows he doesn't care about possession. He cares about dexterity. You know what I mean? Like I, it, Richie's a great player, but I just think he's not the right guy to play in that position. I think it'd be very yeah. interesting to see what happens with Hamas when he comes back too. I think that's, I think he'd be fine in that position. People say, oh, he's yeah. not going to work on defense. Well, he just needs to be positionally sound, I think. I just don't think it makes sense of their personnel. That's all. I just, it, and that's totally valid. You can have that that opinion. I mean, what, what I would like to see is, as we talked about a couple minutes ago, some sort of fluidity where you can, depending on the opposition, you can switch Gray and Richarlison. Well, where did we see that today? I, I, let me, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like, where did you, what players combination wise, did you see had the most fluidity? Because I didn't oh. see Richarlison fluid at all. No, I mean, I think it was Wobi and, and Gray had some yeah. really great chemistry as yeah. well as Dominic Calvert-Lewin yes. with those guys. So, look, not Richarlison. some too. Decore, yeah. too. But it doesn't change the fact that Richarlison's one of our best players and someone who it's imperative that we're able to get the best out of. And I think the argument there is that you could probably do that better out wide where he can actually take the time and, and take the space to take guys on and have that... Uh, I guess had that freedom to do so and not risk disrupting everything like he does when he gets it in the middle and he's holding it up and he's got guys in front of him, but he has his head down and he's trying to beat a man. Yeah. And that's what he typically does. And he's probably best at now he could change. He's a young player. So, so we had some counter opinions that I thought were good ones, you know, that I, I had no problem with Darren Newton at Toffee Daz, you know, his point was you're severely limiting our goal threat as a team. I, I disagree with this, but I, I think there's some truth in this from what I've seen. I think the reason he's deciding to play with Charleston centrally is that him and Dominic Calvert-Lewin aside this team don't have a lot of goals in them and particularly disappointing from central midfield. So again, I, I don't think this will help our team output from a goal standpoint. That being said in the Newcastle teams, I did see Iosi Perez score like three or four goals some years with his head. Yeah. You know what I mean? And does get in the box. So if Richarlison could get the ball out and adjust a little bit and get into the box, he could be very dangerous scoring goals. I get that. I get that. But still, you're missing the part where he's got to get the ball and then distribute it out. So that's right. a little bit of the challenge. Now, may, maybe he's right. Maybe that could be taken. That responsibility could be more taken from central midfield. I think uh, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't think so. Maybe it could be the fullbacks. I, I don't know, but him in the box eventually is fine. I just don't, I would, I mean, I'd rather have Hamas Rodriguez on the 18. Sure. And, and that's fair. And, and Richie in the box already from the left side. So, so it's Ethan Zander at the Penny blue did also make a very good point because this is a tough team to do that against. And it's, I agree. He was the most targeted player in the field today, made the comment that he looked like he was in a hornet's nest all game with two to three players around him all ready to take a whack. Didn't have much support to go out wide and was funneled to keep center. 
okay, there's maybe some truth to that. It's a tough job, but you didn't help yourself by holding on to the ball. I mean, that's almost more of a reason to play someone there that's going to release the ball quicker. So I, I see both sides to it. I just, you know, I think it's an interesting discussion. It'll be very interesting to see how he goes forward. Yeah, I think so. But uh, again, to, to counter Ethan's point, which I think, well, actually to to support Ethan's point, I think if you do have a player like Richarlison who is going to attract the level of attention from the opposition that he does, then you may not want to have him in the middle of the field. No, you want to God, move him no. out wide so that yes. he drags defenders out of position. Yes. And then you can play it into guys like DCL, have Gray cutting inside, have a Wobie central, right. and you can create from that. So if you have a guy who's going to you know, cause a five-alarm fire every time he touches the ball, if you're leads, then you want to get him in space where he can can drag guys out. So I think that that's a, that's a reasonable take there. Right. If he drags people to him in the middle, then he's got to be able to release it immediately. Uh, to me, that's just not... I, I don't think you're putting him in a position to succeed. The other thing is, too, if it gave him more touches, that might make sense, too. But that wasn't the case today. What, he had like 37 touches? Yeah, he didn't didn't get involved quite as much. And I think he does as, as we like to attack down the wide areas so much when he's in those areas, he tends to get the ball and he tends to be able to do the things he does well, carry it beat guys and, and all those sorts of things. Part of the challenges too. I mean, if, if we had a right back that could go back and forth a little bit, you could see Hamas coming back in and maybe playing on that right wing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And tucking inside and then maybe have some versatility there, but I just don't, I don't know. I, I just think it's a wrong thing to do, but we'll see how it goes forward. All right. Taking a step back. Um, Man of the match. Who do you think? Yeah, let's talk. So we had a few uh, interesting comments. I think there was one clear consensus in our poll, and that was Damari Gray, but we had some some comments. We had a regular contributor to the show, Pete Rabbit 68. This is an interesting, but he does, Pete comes out with some interesting angles sometimes, and I think they're worth considering. Yeah, yeah. So he said DCL was the man of the match for him. Uh, Also asked if Ben Godfrey can get out of quarantine so he can have a good back four. Great question. Hopefully he'll be back very soon. Keen was awful again. Schoolboy stuff all day. We were back searching for a number 10 again. Prefer a Wobi to Richie in that role. If only we had a natural number 10. Like, I don't know, James? Fair point. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't make Dominic Calvert-Lewin the man of the match. Um, I wouldn't either. But, but he had four shots all on target. I know, he did. And um, they don't always go in. I mean, that's just how it, how it works. Um, he wasn't amazing in the air, but let's be honest. He got in the end of chances. I mean, he had more shots on target than, you know, just as many as the whole Leeds team did. Yeah. Um, and, and finishing comes and goes. I, I don't know. I mean, he was a great finisher last year. I mean, I think of the top 14, like expected goal guys in the whole league. He was like second or third in, in, you know, goal versus actually differential. And so I'll tell you what, if he's got to take penalties this year, he's going to score score a lot of goals. Um, well, that Ryan, that's pretty bold of you to assume that we'll get awarded a substantial number of penalties. My bad. <laughs> Very silly of me. Uh, Lexan Baines, Laban Everton at Laban Everton. Um, I'm not saying he's the problem, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but if there are aspects of his game that need fine-tuned, I do think that's one of them, meaning as taking on the goalie 1v1. Uh, Everton certainly have more pressing issues than that. Yeah. So like this idea that he stinks, he's not a world-class striker and stuff. Stop it. What, what are you talking about? He was second in the league in non-penalty goals last year. What it's a, a ridiculous narrative, right? It's I mean, so you, dumb. Two I mean, weeks ago, we were talking about ha- people having to pay 90 million for him, a hundred million for him. And here we are people raising the same concerns they've said about him pretty much since the day he walked into the team four years ago. Now was it? And 
look, I think he's he's proven a lot of the doubters wrong and will continue to do so th- throughout the rest of the season. But to be fair, yes, occasionally he doesn't always beat the keeper in one-on-one situations. Right. I mean, would lo- like to see that more often. It'd be lovely, but I mean, you know, God, nice standards here. I mean, God, people just are so childish out there. You know, I just, I just, it irritated me today to no ends. Um, all right. So let's talk about the consensus of man of the match. Um, Jaden Sherman at Mr. Shermanator eight. Love that. Um, Regular contributor. Several people had solid games. Thought Alon was everywhere. Mina was solid. Decore great as always. Awobi had a solid game. Would have loved to have seen him more centrally. Hmm, common theme. Um, overall, though, Gray had a fantastic match. Man of the match for me looks a great signing so far. I mean, 92% pass. We already talked about it. You know, highest of the starters playing at left wing, played direct. I mean, all the things, all the good aspects of him seem to be coming to the forefront in these first two matches, aren't they? Really are. And for 1.5 million, 1.7 million, whatever we actually paid for him, like you said, he's he's borderline paid that off already. And I think, you know, we've got a really high potential, high ceiling signing here for Happy relatively for low risk. And, and, and it's kind of what we talked about. We never thought him necessarily when we said, hey, you know, we need that long, young kind of up and coming guy. I think we said Nick De La Cruz, right? And we yeah. would play left. Uh, they're about the same age. I mean, Gray is 25. He's not that old. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very happy the way Rafa has chosen to deploy him. And, uh, you know, the kid's got to be loving it, too. You know what I mean? So right. you'd love to see someone to come to Everton, especially when he's been somewhat maligned and outcast at different places. And maybe he does have a chip on the shoulder. You're right. But it's nice to see it. You know, it's, it's a good story. Put it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. And so he seemed to be the consensus man of the match. I think he'd probably be my pick. But a couple other guys, I think, deserve recognition. I mean, Alon put in four tackles. He pestered leads a lot. I thought he he and Corey even though they maybe got up the field a little too much and left us a little exposed, I thought they did carry the ball well in the limited opportunities that they were given to do it. Um, two key passes for Alon as well. Still gets caught flat-footed in defense sometimes and gets beat off the dribble relatively easily. I mean, you could see the guys on leads just were faster than him, and there's yeah. not a whole lot he can do. Yeah, he's got to cut out the carrying, though, honestly. I know he's really good at it, but Rafael Benito doesn't want it. I mean, the one time he carried the ball went by like two guys. He's completely by himself. It's like... yeah. Okay. I mean, great effort. You know, I mean, look, people forget. I mean, he was one of the best ball carriers debatably in world football for a while under sorry. I think he had something like the third most carries in entire Syria. Ah, <laughs> you know, one season in sorry ball. So, uh, but uh, you know, it's not really something I think Benitez wants to see too much of. Um, Yeri Mina, we've talked a lot about him. Maybe the stats weren't amazing, but I think uh, another player's stats were the more important line for this one. Yeah, look, I mean, Mina tasked with basically shadowing Patrick Bamford all day off the back of Bamford's new contract with Leeds. And you look at Patrick Bamford had the fewest touches of any uh, outfield Leeds player, not surprising as a striker, but also all three of his shots were blocked. So really prevent, including the comical one uh, in the at the death of the game. So shutting out their most potent goal threat, fortunately couldn't shut out the other guys and we ended in a draw, but really good to see some, I think, I think everyone's just waiting for Ben Godfrey to come back, come in for Keen, and then have that Mina Keen, uh, Mina Godfrey partnership uh, really flourish. And I think they obviously we've talked about it so much. I don't think, I think we both agree our best center back pairing and both complement each other really well. 
Yeah, they could. I mean, uh, you know, assuming how we set up, uh, it doesn't mean Keen's worthless, but, you know, probably no. in a match in a match like this, this would have really been a nice one to have Ben Godfrey. Yeah. And people saying Keen needs to be sold. I think he needs a spell on the bench. I don't think like his career is finished. It's his 150 50th Everton appearance today. Uh, won't be one he'll probably fond, super fondly remember, but uh, I, I still think he has something to offer this team in certain situations against Leeds. Probably not the right context to use yeah. him. Yeah, people got to remember. I mean, it depends on how you're used. You know what I mean? Um, Any transfer, any deal you bring someone in, you know, can be good or bad. But a lot of it's the outcomes based on how well you're used. Like we're getting amazing amount out of Damari Gray these first two games, because I think Benitez is doing a very good job putting him in a position to succeed. I don't think Richarlison played particularly well today because it's a tough. It was a tough role for him and a challenge. Uh, Seamus Coleman didn't get involved in the offense while he's playing defensive, right? You know what I mean? You got to think about those things. And this was a tough, tough role. I think for Keen to play in, uh, you'd love him to cut out that mistake, but you know, there are going to be times where we're going to sit back more and he's going to be valuable. I I, th- I mean, I would move Holgate before him, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, sure. And, and I think, you know, worth noting, like, yeah, Michael Keane did have, does have two individual errors in two games and he does get caught out sometimes, but besides those two, horrible and excusable errors. He hasn't been like a catastrophe or anything like that. It's just that those obviously extremely costly individual moments, um, people ready to write him off for those. But I mean, you know, big guy, he almost, you know, scored the winner. So if that had happened, that would have changed the narrative dramatically. And yet here we are Everton four points from six possible to start the season, Ryan. And I think most people are fairly content with that. We look ahead and play Huddersfield on Tuesday, little midweek game early, early cup action going on there and uh, away we go. Any last thoughts on Leeds United? It was always going to be a tough game. It's kind of when you point on the schedule, it's going to be tough. And I, I thought we did all right. Uh, I thought we played okay. And, and look, I mean, taking a step back, looking at this schedule, it's not real hard to start with. It's kind of like a college football team in North America when you have kind of cup, cup, not cupcakes, but easier matches, easier games to kind of get going. Um, let's hope that we're seeing that because we've seen signs of the fluidity and, and kind of the decisiveness of a Rafa Benitez team, but we still see in times where it hasn't quite gelled. So it's going to take time. So, so as much as you may not like this lovely style of play, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's going to improve and going to get better. It's a tough thing for a manager to just jump in here and do this. And let's hope we, if I'll tell you what though, if we can get a right back and a right wing that can kind of cut inside a little bit, please, I, I tell please. you, man, I, I know this is a very, this, it just elevate. It would change everything so much. And I'll tell you what, I mean, you find too. And if you, it's just about moving people out. I mean, can you see also bringing in another kind of sitter that can also play center, center half that's athletic. I mean, I'm just saying like that, that to me is the, is the wish list. Uh, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with Keen and James. I'm not going to even get into the whole Twitch thing. I don't care. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? At this point, at this point, I just think it's incredibly entertaining how many amazing translators we have out there and people using things out of context. I mean, people must be really bored. But anyway, um, there's two sides to every story. So uh, let's see how it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. Still, what? 10 days, less than 10 days left for business to get done. Let's hope that Marcel Brands is a very busy man at the moment getting deals over the line. But otherwise, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Ryan, one last thought. I think so. uh, Since everyone else gets kind of hosed overseas, I believe the Caribou Cup match is on ESPN+. Plus. Good to know. Good, Good call out there. 
will be watching that one and very much looking forward to it. Uh, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the American Toffee Podcast. If you enjoyed this, if you enjoy our content, if you would do us a massive favor, as I said at the top of leaving us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice, if you could subscribe to the show, if you want to find us on social media or find any of our links to our discord, et cetera, et cetera, the link there is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash USA Toffee Pod. That's linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. Otherwise, we'll be with you after Huddersfield. Until then, up the toffees.